Book four, chapters three to five of ten books on architecture. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Frederick Carlson. Ten books on architecture by Vitruvius. Translated by Morris Hickey Morgan. Chapter three, proportions of Doric temples. One. Some of the ancient architects said that the Doric order ought not to be used for temples because faults and incongruities were caused by the laws of its symmetry. Arcesius and Pythius said so, as well as Hermogenes. He, for instance, after getting together a supply of marble for the construction of a Doric temple, changed his mind and built an Ionic temple to Father Bacchus with the same materials. This is not because it is unlovely in appearance or origin or dignity of form, but because the arrangement of the triglyphs and metopes lacunaria is an embarrassment and inconvenience to the work. 2. For the triglyphs ought to be placed so as to correspond to the centres of the columns, and the metopes between the triglyphs ought to be as broad as they are high. But in violation of this rule, at the corner columns, triglyphs are placed at the outside edges and not corresponding to the centre of the columns. Hence, the metopes next to the corner columns do not come out perfectly square, but are too broad by half the width of a triglyph. Those who would make the metopes all alike make the outermost intercolumniations narrower by half the width of a triglyph, but the result is faulty whether it is attained by broader metopes or narrower intercolumniations. For this reason, the ancients appear to have avoided the scheme of the Doric order in their temples. 3. However, since our plan calls for it, we set it forth as we have received it from our teachers, so that if anybody cares to set to work with attention to these laws, he may find the proportions stated by which he can construct correct and faultless examples of temples in the Doric fashion. Let the front of a Doric temple, at the place where the columns are put up, be divided, if it is to be tetrastyle, into twenty-seven parts, if hexastyle, into forty-two. One of these parts will be the module, in Greek, embates, and this module once fixed, all the parts of the work are adjusted by means of calculations based upon it. 4. The thickness of the columns will be two modules, and their height, including the capitals, fourteen. The height of a capital will be one module, and its breadth two and one-sixth modules. Let the height of the capital be divided into three parts, of which one will form the abacus with the cymatium, the second the echinus with its annulets, and the third the necking. The diminution of the column should be the same as described for ionic columns in the third book. The height of the architrave, including tenia and guttae, is one module, and of the tenia one-seventh of a module. The guttae, extending as wide as the triglyphs and beneath the tenia, should hang down for one-sixth of a module, including the regular. The depth of the architrave on its underside should answer to the necking at the top of the column. Above the architrave, the triglyphs and metopes are to be placed. The triglyphs one and a half modules high and one module wide in front. They are to be arranged so that one is placed to correspond to the center of each corner and intermediate column, and two over each intercolumniations except the middle intercolumniations of the front and rear porticos, which have three each. The intervals in the middle being thus extended, a free passage will be afforded to those who would approach the statues of the gods. 5. The width of the triglyph 
should be divided into six parts and five of these marked off in the middle by means of the rule and two half parts of the right and left let one part that in the centre form a femur in greek meros on each side of it are the channels to be cut in to fit the tip of a carpenter's square and in succession the other femora one at the right and one at the left of a channel to the outsides are relegated the semi-channels the triglyphs having been thus arranged let the metopes between the triglyphs be as high as they are wide while at the outer corners there should be semi-metopes inserted with a width of half a module in these ways all defects will be corrected whether in metopes or intercolumniations or lacunaria as all the arrangements have been made with uniformity six the capitals of each triglyph are to measure one-sixth of a module over the capitals of the triglyphs the corona is to be placed with a projection of two-thirds of a module and having a doric cymatium at the bottom and another at the top so the corona with its cymatia is half a module in height set off under the underside of the corona vertically under the triglyph and over the middle of the metopis are the via in the straight lines and the guttae arranged in rows six guttae broad and three deep the spaces left due to the fact that the metopis are broader than the triglyphs may be left unornamented or may have thunderbolts carved on them just at the edge of the corona a line should be cut in called the scotia all the other parts such as the tympana and the semi of the corona are to be constructed as described above in the case of the ionic order seven such will be the scheme established for diastyle buildings but if the building is to be systyle and monotriglyphic let the front of the temple if tetrastyle be divided into nineteen and a half parts if hexastyle into twenty-nine and a half parts one of these parts will form the module in accordance with which the adjustments are to be made as above described eight thus over each portion of the architrave two metopes and two triglyphs will be placed and in addition at the corners half a triglyph and besides a space large enough for a half triglyph at the centre vertically under the gable there should be room for three triglyphs and three metopes in order that the centre intercolumniation by its greater width may give ample room for people to enter the temple and may lend an imposing effect to the view of the statues of the gods nine the columns should be fluted with twenty flutes if these are to be left plain only the twenty angles need to be marked off but if they are to be channeled out the contour of the channeling may be determined thus draw a square with sides equal in length to the breadth of fluting and centre a pair of compasses in the middle of this square then describe a circle with a circumference touching the angles of the square and let the channelings have the contour of the segment formed by the circumference and the side of the square the fluting of the doric column will thus be finished in the style appropriate to it Ten. with regard to the enlargement to be made in the column at its middle let the description given for ionic temple in the third book be applied here also in the case of doric since the external appearance of the corinthian doric and ionic proportions has now been described it is necessary next to explain the arrangements of the cella and the pronaos chapter four the cella and the pronaos one the length of a temple is adjusted so that its width may be half its length and the actual cella one-fourth greater in length than in width 
including the wall in which the folding doors are placed. Let the remaining three parts, constituting the pronouns, extend to the anti terminating the walls, which anti ought to be of the same thickness as the columns. If the temple is to be more than twenty feet in width, let two columns be placed between the two anti, and separate the pteroma from the pronouns. The three intercolumniations between the anti and the columns should be closed by low walls made of marble or of joiner's work, with doors in them to afford passages into the pronouns. 2. If the width is to be more than 40 feet, let columns be placed inside and opposite to the columns between the anti. They should have the same height as the column in front of them, but their thickness should be proportionately reduced. Thus, if the columns in front are in thickness one-eighth of their height, these should be one-tenth. If the former are one-ninth or one-tenth, they should be reduced in the same proportion. For their reduction will not be discernible, as the air has not free play about them. Still, in case they look too slender, when the outer columns have twenty or twenty-four flutes, these may have twenty-eight or thirty-two. Thus the additional number of flutes will make up proportionately for the loss in the body of the shaft, preventing it from being seen, and so in a different way the column will be made to look equally thick. 3. The reason for this result is that I, touching thus upon a greater number of points set closer together, has a larger compass to cover with its range of vision. For if two columns, equally thick but one unfluted and the other fluted, are measured by drawing lines round them, one line touching the body of the columns in the hollows of the channels and on the edges of the flutes, these surrounding lines, even through the columns, are equally thick, will not be equal to each other, because it takes a line of greater length to compass the channels and the flutes. This being granted, it is not improper, in narrow quarters or where the space is enclosed, to use in a building columns of somewhat slender proportions, since we can help out by a duly proportionate number of flutings. 4. The walls of the cella itself should be thick in proportion to its size, provided that their anti are kept of the same thickness as the columns. If the walls are to be of masonry, let the rubble used be as small as possible, but if they are to be of dimension stone or marble, the material ought to be of very moderate and uniform size, for the laying of the stones so as to break joints will make the whole work stronger, and their bevelled edges, standing about the builds and beds, will give it an agreeable look, somewhat like that of a picture. Chapter 5. How the temple should face. 1. The quarter toward which temples of the immortal gods ought to face is to be determined on the principle that, if there is no reason to hinder and the choice is free, the temple and the statue placed in the cellar should face the western quarter of the sky. This will enable those who approach the altar with offerings and sacrifices to face the direction of the sunrise in facing the statue in the temple, and thus those who are undertaking vows look toward the quarters from which the sun come forth and likewise the statues themselves appear to be coming forth out of the east to look upon them as they pray and sacrifice. 2. But if the nature of the site is such as to forbid this, then the principle of determining the quarter should be changed so that the widest possible view of the city may be had from the sanctuaries of the gods. Furthermore, Temples that are to be built beside rivers, as in Egypt on both sides of the Nile, ought, as it seems, to face the river banks. Similarly, 
houses of the guards on the sides of public roads should be arranged so that the passers-by can have a view of them and pay their devotions face to face end of book four chapter five